Welcome everyone. Today we're going to finish up the book of Colossians. And so we're glad you're with us and we're welcome our KFUO listening audience. We're going to begin at chapter 4, verse 5. Chapter 4, verse 5. Now last week, in just the previous verses, Paul was telling the people that they should pray for him as he continues to declare the gospel, the mystery of Jesus Christ. But then he shifts from his own ministry to how the individuals need to carry out their witness. So in verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. The word is actually redeeming the time. Now, what he's talking about is show wisdom when you're dealing with people outside the church. Now, wisdom is taking God's word and discerning and applying it to everyday life. That's what wisdom is. So what he's saying is, be wise in your dealings with others. This is part of your witness, that people see this and it re reflects positively on God and God's word and God's people. When we live in wisdom, then it is a witness to others of how God has worked in our lives and the lives of others. Now he goes on, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Be gracious. When you're talking with other people and you are rude or gruff or surly, they're not going to listen to you very long. But when you speak to them respectfully and you honor them as people, then they will listen. And it says seasoned with salt, and we've heard that before in Gospel of, of Matthew, okay? So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, this passage is very close to another one that you've heard before. This is from 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Okay. 
Always be ready to give an answer to anyone that questions you why you have the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. Paul says, be gracious. Anyone will tell you that the most important thing in any conversation is body language. It is communication. That's why every email is subject to misinterpretation. There is no body language. You can't see the look on the person's face. You can't hear the tone in which they say it. It's very poor communication. When I was a senior pastor here, I made it very clear that if you're sitting in the next office from someone, don't you dare send them an email. Get up and go talk to them. They're only one door over, and it will prevent a lot of misunderstanding. Paul is saying here, be gracious. Peter's saying be gentle and respectful with people who are outside that you are trying to speak with, that you are trying to share the gospel with, respecting them as sinners, not haughty, I'm a Christian and you're not, but with respect. I'm a sinful person, so are you. The gospel helped me. I want to share the gospel with you. So it all centers around attitude, respect. Of course, Jesus promises us that he will send us the Holy Spirit. And he does in our baptism so that we are able to have the words we need at the time. And they don't have to be lofty. God can work through the word of the gospel, no matter how or who proclaims it. So those were his final words of instruction. And now he shifts uh, to the end of the book where he gives greetings to other people. It's interesting to note, sometimes it's very few, sometimes it's a lot of people. It's also interesting to note that the longest greetings are in Romans. The second longest are Colossians. And those are the two towns he has not been to. He gives more personal greetings to the two places he has not been rather than the places where he has. Those greetings are short. And so we begin that section. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. 
We believe that this man was the man that carried the letter to the Colossians to the Colossians. We also believe he may have carried the letter to Laodicea, which we pretty sure is the letter to the Ephesians. Okay? He may also, there is also speculation that he carried the letter to Philemon, all three of them. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, he calls him, he says, he's going to tell you all about my activities. We believe that at this point, Paul is in prison. We know he's in prison. The letter refers to it in Rome. Now, in Rome, he was under what was called house arrest. That is, he could not leave his house, but he could receive people. He had contact with people. This is probably the activity that he's talking about. He calls him a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant. We believe that he is one of those men that also with Paul preached and taught the gospel. He usually refers the titles faithful minister and fellow servant for people that are involved and engaged in that kind of ministry. Notice it's in the Lord that he does this. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Encourage your hearts. Now, it would take some time for someone to travel from Rome to Ephesus. This is not... Uh, the days of airlines. This is the days of walking and slow sail ships. So this may have taken a while. But notice then what Paul says next. He's sending this man. He's obviously very trusted by Paul. And with him, Onesimus our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. Onesimus is the slave in the book of Philemon. Onesimus ran away from his master, Philemon, and he was caught and arrested. And he was evidently in the same jail as Paul. Because when you read the book of Philemon, it's very clear that Paul presented the gospel to Onesimus, and Onesimus came to Christ in the jail. Now, Paul then wrote the letter to Philemon, saying, please take Onesimus back and don't be harsh with him. 
In fact, it goes so far as if you want money for taking the back, Paul says, I'll give it to you. So he wanted Philemon to take Onesimus back, but there's more to it. The letter actually implies that Paul wants Onesimus back to use him as a fellow servant in the ministry of proclaiming Christ. So he writes to Philemon, take him back. If you want money, I'll pay you. He also lays a guilt trip on Philemon like, uh, by the way, you owe me a lot anyway. Uh, kind of like a mother can do to you. You know that. And, and um, so, and then Paul wants him back to accompany him. This is why we believe Tychicus was carrying the book of Philemon, the letter of Philemon. Onesimus was going home to Philemon, and Tychicus was going to give him Paul's letters, Paul's letter to him, so that Philemon would be kind to Onesimus, even though he had run away. Notice that Onesimus is called a faithful and beloved brother. He is not called a faithful minister or fellow servant. That's because Paul could not rightly call him that yet. If Philemon sent him back so that Paul could train him and use him in the ministry of the gospel, then those terms could be applied. But he doesn't apply those terms to Onesimus yet. He is simply a faithful and beloved brother. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. In other words, what's going on with Paul in Rome. Okay? So this was an pretty important guy, Tychicus, if he's carrying the letter to the Colossians, the letter to the Ephesians, and the letter to Philemon. That's three books of the New Testament. Now, they weren't yet, but Paul must have trusted this man very much to entrust him with bringing this. And I'm sure Tychicus, when he took Onesimus home, uh, talked to Philemon about taking him back. Okay. So, you know, sometimes we read these portions of, of the ending of these letters, and we don't really relate all these names but there are clues within these names as to what's going on in the New Testament era. Okay? All right. Any questions about those two? Yeah, Mark? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay, today we copy everything. But these were handwritten. And when we get to the end, he makes a statement that seems to believe he was not making copies. Okay. 
he was not hiding copies. Yeah, it's way before Xerox machines. They're on scrolls, okay? They're on scrolls. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. We don't know a lot about him, except he was in jail with Paul. Okay. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. This is the Mark. Now, Paul and Barnabas took Mark with him, with them, on the beginning of the second missionary journey. There was some kind of falling out. We don't know what it was. But Paul sent Mark home. Okay. Barnabas wanted to keep him. Why did Barnabas want to keep him? We learned it right here. He's his relative. Okay. He wanted to keep him. So, but now, if Paul is writing from Rome, Mark is in Rome with that. In other words, there had been reconciliation. And Mark was now with Paul. Now, that's very interesting because there's more history involved here. If you read the Gospel of Mark, Mark looks real good when he's mentioned once. Remember the little boy that ran away in the garden and they grabbed his robe and he ran away naked? That's Mark. We believe that that's his self-identification within the letter. But we... There's also one other person that looks better in Mark than any of the other Gospels, and that's Peter. We have tried to put it all together, and there is good evidence to believe that Mark did finally wind up in Rome, and that Peter delivered the information about Jesus Christ, and Mark was the scribe. Mark's gospel is Peter's gospel. Mark's gospel is Peter's gospel. Peter is the one that gave him the information. Mark was a little boy. Peter is the one that gave him the information Mark wrote it down. It's under the Gospel of Mark, but the information is probably from Peter. Probably from Peter. Because Peter looks so good in Mark. <laughs> He's the one that gave the information. Okay? So, um, this helps uh, corroborate that story. Because Mark's in Rome. By that time, Peter was in Rome. Paul was in Rome. Okay. Both Peter and Paul would die in Rome. So this helps corroborate 
the theory that Mark got his information for his gospel from Peter. And he says, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Okay? Um, who knows what's behind that? Whether there were still hard feelings, whether there were still rumors, but he says, welcome him. Because if you remember, Paul and Barnabas parted ways, but they each went and did ministry. Yeah, he went to Cyprus. Yes, Steve. By this time, yes, they can write. Okay. Yeah. They were not educated men, but they could write. Okay. Yeah. All right, verse 11. And Jesus, who is called Justice. We know absolutely nothing about this person. He's not mentioned anywhere else. We don't know. We just don't know. Now, then he makes an interesting statement. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. In other words, Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristar uh, Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus, who is called Justice, were all Jews. Okay? They were all of the circumcision. They were all Jews. And he's differentiating between them and the ones that he will mention later. Okay? So these are all Jews. And yet they're fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So Paul, with all his problems, with his imprisonment, these men have remained faithful to him and brought him comfort. Then he continues, Epaphras, who is one of you, we talked about this when we started the book of Colossians. Epaphras is mentioned at the beginning of the book. Paul had never been to Colossae. With the mention of him here and at the beginning, we believe that Epaphras was the man that Paul sent from Ephesus to minister to the people at Colossae. He was the minister. Notice what it says about him. Who is one of you, okay? A servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf and his prayers. In other words, he's praying for them like a minister prays for his people, okay? Because he had been there. He had worked with them. That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Okay. So, 
This man was probably the man that first preached the gospel in Colossae. Sent by Paul, but now he is in Rome with Paul. Okay? He is praying that they will stand firm in their faith. Remember the whole point of Colossians was Paul was writing to them because they were being tempted by this heresy that was going on to abandon the faith in Christ. And so he is struggling in his prayers that they will remain with Christ, that they will stand with Christ, that they will be mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Then a very interesting statement. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. We believe that Epaphras was a circuit rider. The distance between these three towns is very short, about 15 miles. We believe that Epaphras is the one who brought the gospel to all three of these towns. Colossae, Laodicea, and Heropolis. Okay? So he was a busy man, preaching the gospel, faithful to proclaim the gospel to the people in these three towns that came to faith. All right? So that's important, too. All right. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Okay. This is the Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, right? This is him. He was a physician. He was a physician. That's, we know part of that because the Greek that Luke writes is much more scholarly than the Greek of somebody like John, who was a fisherman. Luke uses more technical terms. When it gets to healings and things, he uses more technical terms. We know Luke was with Paul. Luke's other work was the book of Acts. Heck, he wrote Acts. But something happens very interesting in about the 20th chapter of Acts. It's written as a narrative. But suddenly, in the 20th chapter, or along about there, suddenly the pronouns become we. Not Paul did this, he did this. We did this. This is a sign that Luke was with Paul from about chapter 20 to the end of the book. That is why Luke is mentioned as being in Rome. Because Luke was with Paul and recorded all those events 
in the book of Acts. Okay. In the book of Acts. Luke makes it very clear when he writes his gospel that he was not an eyewitness of these things, but he interviewed the eyewitnesses to get his information for the gospel of Luke. By the way, the words that he used also imply that the gospel of Luke is the only chronological one, trying to put things in order. Then Luke would have accompanied Paul and written Acts. And it's interesting to note the way he ends. You ever watch a movie or a TV show and they know you're set, they're setting you up for part two? You know you're being had. Luke ends very abruptly. As if there's going to be a part two. And Acts ends just as abruptly. We actually believe Luke was going to write a third volume. If he got the chance, if Paul got to go to Spain. So, Luke is a very important figure in the New Testament. He greets you as does Demas. We don't know anything about Demas. Okay, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. You got to remember that in these days, house churches was the, were the only things there were. There were not church buildings. There were synagogues, but not church buildings. These were house churches, small groups, small groups, um, far different in a church the size of St. Paul's Luther, okay? Different beast, okay? Now, here's the thing about a small house church. If you're not there, they come looking for you. All right? There's accountability in this small group. If something starts to stray, they're on top of it. That's harder in a church this size. Now, when I'd been here for 20 years, I knew where you sat. And if your pew was empty for a couple of Sundays, then I'd try to reach out to you. But it's much harder in a church of this size. Much harder. Ministry is much harder today. Uh, especially to chase after those that are falling away. And the thing that makes it the hardest is a thing called caller ID. If you hadn't been in church for a month and it rings up Pastor Smith, are you going to answer? It's like the cops calling your house. Okay? Caller ID. Yeah. All right. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. 
and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. In other words, they were to swap these. Okay. They were to swap these. Okay. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Archippus evidently was there in Laodicea or in Colossae. Who knows what's behind this? See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Either it's a word of encouragement or it's a word of get after it. You're not doing this. We don't know which. And then we'll get to what Mark mentioned. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Now, there's a lot behind that. He says that in other, uh, in the other letter that he writes, he says, see what large letters I write with. We, we believe that Paul had eyesight problems. That's one of the conjectures about Paul, maybe even his thorn in the flesh. So he wrote with large letters because he had a hard time seeing. But evidently, his writing was so different that people could tell it was from Paul or not. Okay. Now, most of the time, many of the times, these letters, we hear that they're written by a scribe. And he's mentioned in the letter. So Paul dictated it. We don't know if Paul dictated Colossians and then he just signed it at the end or if he wrote the whole letter by hand. Either way, him saying this probably means, Mark, he didn't make multiple copies. He didn't make multiple copies. Um, now, uh, I'll tell you this, um, these were written in Greek, and when you pick up a Greek Bible, Bud's got one up here, it, it's very nicely spaced, but these letters, when they were written initially, had no space between words. It's just solid script. So not only did you have to be able to read Greek, you had to know it well enough to know where the divisions of the words were. That's the kind of script that Colossians, we don't have any original manuscripts of the New Testament. The earliest manuscripts date from about 200 A.D., Papyri 46 is the oldest document we have. But it's interesting to know when you compare all the manuscripts of the New Testament, they are awful close. God was preserving his word in this. But so Paul writing this in his own hand, okay, his own hand, we don't know if it was the whole letter, or just the farewell here. And you got to remember that this was at the bottom of the scroll. Okay. 
That's why he also identifies himself at the first of the scroll. I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know how it goes. It's at the beginning of the scroll because you didn't want to have to unroll the whole scroll to see who wrote it. So here he identifies himself with my own hand. There was probably one copy. If you wanted a copy of one of these letters, you had to hand copy it. You had to hand copy it. Remember my chains. Remember that I am in prison. This is another clue. Um, the word used for chains uh, simply means he's a prisoner. But as I said, if he's in Rome, he has some freedom to receive guests. He can't leave. He was probably chained to a Roman guard. But he could receive guests. And this probably went on for a couple of years before he was uh, executed. And then he simply ends, grace be with you. Grace, such an important word, such an important word, because it is God's love shown to us in Jesus Christ, which we do not deserve. Grace is always God's gift to us, not something we earn or deserve, or in any way are we worthy of it. So it is very fitting that Paul closes the letter with the word grace. Okay. Grace. So there you have it. Colossians. The floor is open for question. Yeah. Yes, uh, and we can see, uh, Don said, uh, it, it's somebody at the locations that received these letters had to know they were important and saved them. That's how we see God's hand in preserving what was preserved. If it was lost, God wanted it lost, okay? And he, but he would see to it that his word is preserved, even in that culture. Yes. Well, that was a bunch of scholars much later, okay, who actually formed the canon, and they accepted some books and they rejected other books, okay? And it was all context. Does this book say anything that contradicts everything else? If it does, it doesn't belong. Okay. But the history of the canon, that's something that's for a whole different Bible study. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Matthew says, if salt loses its flavor, what's it good for? So it's basically saying if you lose the passion you have for the gospel, 
it's not going to come through when you speak. And therefore, it's not going to touch people. Yes, Rahina. Yes. Yeah. Uh, both are used in the New Testament. Uh, the house of uh, Dorcas, she met, uh, ministered by the river, and there were many that came. Um, it probably meant they were not married. Okay? They were not married or they were widowed. So the house was named after them. Yeah. Other things. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I don't know that. Extra biblical sources are literature outside the Bible, and I do not know that. Now, if you study the early church fathers, Clement, Irenaeus, uh, Jerome, uh, some of the early church fathers wrote extensively. You have to search those to see if these people are mentioned in their writings, and some of them probably are. Some of them probably are, but I don't know offhand if they're in those. Uh, that whole field of study is called patristics, and it's a pretty uh, narrow study of just the church, early church fathers. All right, anything else? All right. What's next? First, second, and third John. Okay. First, second, and third John uh, will get underway next week. Um, the uh, we always used to say in confirmation class, turn to the book of John, and the kids would say, "Big John or Little John?" Okay. Uh, first John is little John, uh, first, second, third John. And of course, uh, many of the themes that are in the gospel of John will also be, uh, in his letter. Uh, so, uh, that will begin next week. All right. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.